in Advent, we have been anticipating the arrival of Jesus and preparing ourselves for the arrival of Jesus. At Christmas, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. And then in this Sunday of Epiphany, we pause and we reflect. Okay, we reflect on what this actually means. And we begin to try to unpack what just happened. All right, what just happened with the light of the world arriving, breaking into darkness. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And now here we are. The dawn has come, the arrival of the light of the world of Jesus. So what just happened? And so we try to unpack that. Um, Traditionally, during this Sunday, we look at a a passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at today. Um, It's the visit of the wise men, when the wise men come and bring their gifts to Jesus. And uh, so that's where we're going to be focusing our hearts today, focusing our minds and our souls today. I'm going to invite my friend Ellen to come on up. Uh, This is Ellen Snow. Many of you guys know Ellen. Uh, She's been a leader in our church for several years. Uh, She started attending while she was a college student at UNC, um, got involved with a small group, and then began to lead a small group. And over the last couple of years, um, she has served in that way and served in discipling people and teaching people in that way. And uh, Ellen has been sensing a call on her life, a drawing in her life. And so um, today we're going to hear from her. She's going to deliver the word to us today. And so we're going to open our hearts, open our minds to what the Holy Spirit wants to teach us uh, through what he's been teaching Ellen today. Um, we, We say this a lot, okay? And this is one of the things that we firmly, firmly believe. When God pours out the Holy Spirit on his church on the day of Pentecost, Something brand new happens in the history of the entire world. There have been moments, obviously, before where the Holy Spirit has been dwelling on people and moving in people. But something different takes place on the day of Pentecost. And on that day, God equips his church, the church of Jesus in the world. And every single believer is now filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit from the inside. And that the Holy Spirit equips us to lead and to serve in the church, to build up. Every single believer has been called to lead and to serve and not just called to do it. You've been gifted to do it. And so we're always trying to create opportunities and create space for you to live out those gifts. And that's what's happening this morning. Uh, So have your hearts open, have your minds open. Also be thinking about where is your place? All right, where is your place to lead and to serve? How has the Holy Spirit equipped you and gifted you to lead and to serve, to build up the church and to advance the kingdom in the world? Let's pray for Ellen together. Jesus, thank you for our friend. Thank you for uh, this leader who has been serving behind the scenes. And um, today I pray that you would have our hearts and minds open to what you want to teach us through her today. Thank you for the way that you have been forming this message in her. And uh, thank you for the way that you have been speaking to her, molding her, and preparing her for this moment right here. We are her family. We are her friends. And we are coming around her today to pray for her as she, as she leads us and as she ministers to us today. And I pray that we would be ministering to her as well. I pray that we would get our amens ready to throw out. And I pray that we would just be ready to receive what you have to teach us today. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 
All right. Um, so most people have a fear of public speaking. And I, I'm not one of those people. I don't think that I'm one of those people. But I did realize a fear of singing like four songs with a mic right next to my mouth that could be turned up at any moment. So um, not, a, not a, have a fear of public speaking, but have a fear of singing in front of everyone. Um, so anyways, but uh, I'm really excited to be here, really excited to have the chance to come up and just dive into the Word with y'all and to um, just have a chance to share this. So if y'all will bow your heads and we'll get started. God, we come to you now to ask you for your wisdom. Allow me to be your vessel and to speak what you will for me today. Allow everyone here to be open to your word, no matter what has led them to this place today. Fill us with your love and your wisdom, and give us courage to be filled with your truth. Clear us of anything that may be standing between us and you today. And Lord, most of all, thank you for loving us first. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And uh, this is a story about the three wise men that many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with. And this passage takes place about two years after Jesus' birth. And we can kind of gather that um, from a couple reasons. And first off is that, you know, we can imagine that traveling, you know, after the wise men were called, traveling would take a little bit more, you know, than just jumping in your car and getting on I-40 and going down the road. Um, You know, it took many years to travel and a lot of different difficult things to overcome. And the second thing is that this passage tells us that the king at the time, Herod, uh, he had made an order. He heard rumors of, um, okay, he heard rumors of uh, the Messiah being born in his land and was fearful of his throne being threatened. And therefore, he sends out an order for all boys, um, children, boys, especially to be killed about the age of two or under. And so, therefore, we can kind of gather that Jesus could have been about two years old uh, at the time. So, um, we're looking at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he had sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me words that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is an amazing story with many different facets and many different levels to it. But for today, I would love to just really hone in on one piece of the story. And uh, I would like to look 
specifically at the journey that the wise men took. And we're going to ask three questions today, get three pieces of this. Um, first, who were the wise men? What was their journey and what did they find? So the first question is, who were they? You know, why do we care who they were? Um, these wise men were astrologers, since they were tracking the stars. They were the scientists of the time. And uh, this is something to be noted, that the first seekers of the Messiah were what we see a lot through the rest of the gospel is actually people that, you know, we would not deem as highly religious. And by, you know, the religious elite, they would be considered more of the outsiders. Um, So another thing to note is that the wise men were not native to Judea. And uh, you can imagine how frightening and, like, courageous and scary that would have been to have come from a foreign land and to be tracking the star to find the Jewish Messiah. Uh, we often see, you know, the wise men coming into the nativity scene, you know, paying homage, you know, giving them some gifts, maybe singing a couple verses of Joy to the World, and then leaving. But, you know, we don't see them traveling for a couple of years and into a new place, most likely not being Jewish or obviously Christian, and then searching for the Savior of the world. You know, now we get to the airport, we look for our terminal for about 10 minutes, and we're ready to get there before we even start, uh, much less traveling for years uh, to find something that we're not quite sure of. Um, So we can now kind of start to see how big of an ordeal this was for these stargazers to be just searching for a Messiah. So knowing these things, we have to ask, how does this affect us? And not just as Christians or learning more about Christianity, you know, how should this reflect us and help us on our mission at Love Chapel Hill to love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus? So the wise men were spiritual people seeking fulfillment. And I know many of us have been or are or know of people that are in the same boat. Um, You know, everyone has their own story and their own journey to find Christ or fulfillment in Christ. A lot of times, you know, we seek that fulfillment elsewhere, but it's just not sustainable. And most of the time, being in the church, we often isolate those people, and we want somebody to have a similar story. You know, a lot of people want the cookie cutter of, you know, okay, I know the steps for you to become a Christian. You have the cookie cutter thing that we want for the church. Um, But, you know, that's not what God wants. And some of you are here because, you know, the bagels and coffee, or some of you are here from, you know, actively seeking out a church. But either way, God has led us here for a particular reason. So although the first seekers of Christ, you know, were foreign people, foreign stargazers, a lot of times we would now look at those kind of people with disdain, and um, it should be our visions, vision as Christians to, you know, allow ourselves to be open to others' journeys and to other stories and to realize that God is doing something magnificent with that story as well as our own. So, you know, this kind of message of being open to other stories and to um, knowing that everybody is welcome is uh, often paired with Matthew 7, 7. And um, this is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, you know, so Jesus is standing there and he's talking to tons of different people from all different backgrounds and all different journeys. And um, I I really love this passage. And it actually happens to be uh, from a song that my mom used to sing to me. Um, when I was growing up, and uh, it was, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. So Jesus is saying to countless people 
come to me and I will give you what you need. He's offering fulfillment to all different people with all different stories, all different journeys. And that is something that is awesome. Um, so we just looked at who these were, who these wise men were, and how, like, why should we care? Uh, so the second thing that we should look at is what did the wise men do on their journey? So they show up at King Herod's palace looking for the king of the Jews. And at this point, it becomes evident that King Herod and all of his men have far more information than the wise men do. You know, they have, as the scripture says, chief priests, religious scholars, um, you know, they knew about the prophecy, they knew about the birth, they knew about the foreign travelers coming in, seeking him, and, um, but the one thing that really differentiates King Herod and his wise, his wise men from the actual three wise men that we're talking about is what they do with the information once they have it. You know, they, the people that were in the palace sat there and said, okay, go on, you can go find them, let us know what you find, just report back to us. But these three wise men actually went and actively sought after Jesus Christ. So if you've been in church for a while, this especially um, is be some, something that you could resonate with. Is, um, you know, oftentimes we get complacent or, you know, we, we stop actively going after him. You know, oftentimes we are like, okay, you know, you're there. I'll, I'll get to you when I need you, but I know where you are. I know where to find you. But until I really need you, I won't necessarily actively look for you. So this isn't what Christ calls us to do. He, you know, finding him is just the beginning. And as the wise men found him, they once again, you know, we would think that would be the end of the journey. But once again, they had to make another choice. Do we continue on and to con- continue to share this word? Or do we go back to Herod? And um, luckily, they chose to continue on and make disciples. So we often get complacent and um, get kind of set in our own sort of track of doing things. And we get set in checking off the boxes. And as Christ followers, we, have, we are constantly faced with choices. And we can have to continuously seek Christ. Um, you know, because either way, we're going to have choices. And as a Christ follower, luckily we have Jesus within us. And he can make those decisions. He can make, help us make those wiser decisions rather than us having to make those decisions ourselves. So we've talked about who these wise men were and what they did and what happened on their journey. Um, the third thing that we need to talk about is what did, what did they actually find? And this may sound like a silly question and be like, well, of course they found Jesus, you know, but what they, in this story, we have three spiritual astronomers searching for a child. And they had to get up, they had to leave and search for a couple years only to find a peasant woman and her baby. Um, they knew that they were looking for a child, but they didn't necessarily know to what extent or anything. And obviously, you know, the first place they went was to a palace to look for a king. And in Matthew, it says, when the star stopped over the house, they were filled with joy. So how many times are we actually filled with joy when God kind of throws us curveballs or surprises? And personally, I don't like surprises. Um, but especially when it's not necessarily what I expected or what I asked for. Um, 
you know, many times we ask Christ to lead us and to take over our journey, but then when it leads us to somewhere that we didn't want to be or we didn't necessarily think that we would end up, we become angry or we become frustrated and we just want to walk away. And, you know, as, as I was going through middle school, um, I started really questioning things and started to wanted to find the, the facts behind my faith. And a lot of things started to change. I realized, you know, like a puka shell necklace isn't very cool anymore. And, you know, other things started to change too, but, you know, mainly that. But, you know, I was, I was really trying to find stuff and um, really started to question. And I got, you know, more active in my youth group and realized that even the people in the church didn't necessarily take religion or what we were studying very seriously. You know, it was more like reading it and then moving on. Um, but I, I tried really hard and wanted to really sink my teeth into this. And like I said, you know, finding the facts behind my faith. And eventually that led me to get a religious studies degree from UNC. Um, and, you know, I realized the more that I learned, the less I actually knew. There was so much more that I had no idea about. And um, it, it led me through this journey. I had a lot of spiritually and emotionally very bankrupt places. But the biggest thing to know from all this is that during all of that time, I was never left alone. I, you know, God was always there, and God never stopped seeking me. And um, on the other side, I always found myself with more conviction. And um, I think that's the best thing to learn after all. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, we often want to walk away when we find that... Um, all we, all we get is a peasant and a baby, or a peasant and her child. And uh, as I was preparing for this, I found a really great quote from a scholar, Stephen Ballman. And um, it says, Not every committed Christian in name has a taste for actually kneeling in the dust and muck of a barn in a backwater town, and this is my favorite part, with the astonished recognition that this is where God prefers to make an entrance. You know, a lot of times we're like, this is it. But we, we, we're not necessarily kneeling there and being like, wow, this is where God has come to make an entrance in my life or to another person's life. So let us not be the kind of Christian that is too prideful to turn, and turns a blind eye to somebody else in need. You know, when we pause long enough to take care of another person, we often find Christ in that other person. And we, like the wise men, often are surprised by what we find. You know, we pause long, when we pause long enough to extend love to someone else, we often find Christ extending love back to us. Um, our name is our mission at Love Chapel Hill, and uh, we often, and oftentimes we, often, we get complacent, or, you know, our vision changes, or the box is checked, and we don't continue on. Um, so the act of being a Christian is continuously seeking him. And if you're not a Christian... You know, he wants you to seek him so that you will find him. And if you've already found him, he wants you to continuously have to make, or continuously make those decisions to go out and tell the people what you have found. Um, it doesn't matter how you find him, but the important thing is, is that, he will, that you will find him because he will lead you. And in fact, it is Jesus that is finding you. Christ calls everyone to him. We must not get complacent, and we must journey on. Y'all will bow your heads. Dear Lord, thank you so much for giving us, giving us the opportunity to come as your body, to come and worship you, to hear your word, 
to dig deeper into your message, Lord. God, I just uh, thank you so much for um, ha- having hearts opened and for uh, having the opportunity for me to get up here and to um, preach. And Lord, carry this message with us and remember, have us remember to uh, carry on, to not get complacent and to journey on and to keep an open heart and open mind to everyone and their journeys, even our own. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ellen. Awesome. Awesome. Now, we don't want to just hear that message. Um, As a church, we want to actively respond to that challenge that we have just been given. To seek after him with everything that we have, knowing that he is seeking us. And knowing that he is drawing us and that we will find him because he wants to be found. So as a church, um, we are going to challenge ourselves um, here in the month of January to begin this entire month and to to begin this entire year um, by seeking after him with everything that we have. On your way out today, you're going to get a piece of paper, and it just has a very simple challenge on it. It has a a scripture verse from from the book of Proverbs, from the first chapter. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And here's what we're going to challenge ourselves to do. Another beginning is here. Let's embrace it. Read with us one chapter of the book of Proverbs each day through January. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs, 31 days in the month of January. As you read, pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He wants to pour it out on you. He wants to be known by you. He wants to draw you in to deeper places of understanding. Listen for his direction. He's speaking. He is speaking. He is speaking to you through his word and as you dive into his word you will begin to hear his voice you will begin to know his voice and he will continue to speak to you and give you direction and then surrender to the holy spirit's guidance as you walk out the wisdom that you receive it's one thing to hear his voice it's a completely different thing to live in response to it and to surrender to the way that the holy spirit is speaking to you through that word so that's what we want to do want to challenge ourselves to begin this year by seeking after him thank you ellen for that excellent challenge today over the next few minutes we're going to take some time and we're going to pray together and we're just going to slowly move through a time of prayer we're going to invite you if you want to be prayed over today maybe you need direction for this new year maybe you want to have um just that refreshed sense of seeking after him with all that you have. If you want to be prayed over today, then we're going to invite you to come down uh, to the first couple of rows. And we'll come and, and we'll pray with you. Uh, let's go ahead and pray as a church. And if you're feeling that draw and you want to come down and be prayed over, then, then you come on as we pray. Jesus, today we thank you that you came to us in a way that we didn't expect we thank you that you continue to show up in our lives in places and in ways that we did not expect help us to have the same kind of courage 
as the wise men to seek after you. Thank you for the way that you surprise us in that. You've been drawing us. You want to be found. You've been seeking after us this whole time. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So we continue to pray. If you are a leader in this church, then I invite you to come down and to pray over your friends. Maybe you see one of your friends down here that you want to pray for. I invite you to do that. Spirit, we confess that it is very easy for us to just move at a fast pace through life. It's very easy for us to do everything we can do to avoid silence and to avoid pausing, to avoid quiet. confess that a lot of times that's driven by a fear of what you might say to us if we get quiet enough to listen. But we're pausing today and we want you to speak to us. Interrupt our plans if you need to. Holy Spirit, we admit that it's very easy for us to lean on knowledge that we have about who God is things that we've learned it's very easy for us to lean on our own skill in speaking wisdom to another person but I pray that you would help us to see the emptiness of that if it's not flowing out of you that you would help us to lean on you to draw our strength from you Holy Spirit we confess that we are hiding things in our hearts 
today we confess the sin that we have in our lives. We confess the sin that grips us and has control over us. And today we say that we trust in the grace of Jesus and that the grace of Jesus is stronger than the grip of sin. And we embrace your redemption and we embrace the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that brings us forgiveness for our sin, real forgiveness, no matter what it is, the blood of Christ washing over us and cleansing us of that sin. We embrace that. We're grateful for that. We praise you for that today. Holy Spirit, we claim the promise of not just forgiveness from sin, but the promise of freedom. The freedom that comes from walking with Christ, walking in step with the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, driven by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. We claim that today. We claim freedom in your name. Thank you for winning that freedom for us. many of us this past year has been a year of pain and difficulty and we lay that at your feet and we say thank you for the way that you walked with us through that thank you for the way that you wept with us thank you for the way that you carried that pain for us thank you for bringing us through difficult trials and and for those who are still right in the middle of that we thank you for the way you're carrying it right now we give it to you. Help us to trust you. We can trust you. Help us to trust you. Thank you for the healing that you bring to us. Thank you for even some of those most difficult, unbearable times. We can look back and we can see the way that you are bringing healing in our lives. We thank you for that in your power to heal. We believe in your power to heal our brokenness in whatever way it expresses itself in us. Holy Spirit, we ask for your supernatural direction in this next year. We ask for you to make your vision clear for our lives. What is the next step you want us to take? Help us to see it. Help us to see it in a way that is clear. And not just direction, but give us courage to take the step that you're showing us. Give us wisdom. We're praying for wisdom. Give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. Pray that you would guard our hearts. Pray that you would build up our hearts, cultivate our souls in us. Make us deep people who are living out of a deep well of relationship with you. Make us rooted people like trees planted by the stream that grow, leaves don't wither bear fruit in the season that you've called for us to bear fruit. 
Help us to be rooted people, deep people. That no matter what comes against us in this next year, those roots will hold because they are in you. You aren't going anywhere. We ask all these things in your name. We surrender it all to you. Thank you for your goodness. And as an entire church body and as each of us individually, we just lean into you today. We are leaning into you today. And we're trusting you. And we thank you in advance for the way that you're going to lead us over this next year. This year is yours. We sanctify it. We give it to you. We set it aside. We say it is yours. We give it to you.